Hey guys, and welcome to the Coffee and Turner Syndrome podcast. My name is Brooke. Pour yourself your favorite cup of coffee, and let's hop into today's episode. Hi guys, welcome back. I have a very special guest today. This is Tracy, and she is joining us from Scotland, and oh my gosh, I'm so excited to hear her story and hear how things are in another country. I know um, the last time I got to talk to somebody, it was Brazil, and it was so cool, so I can't wait. I'm going to stop talking and let her introduce herself, so this is Tracy. Hi there, everyone. Uh, it's nice to be able to share my experiences, and um, I'm hoping that they can take something from it. I think we've all, across the world, um, Turner Syndrome girls are connected in a shared experience, but hopefully, as um, as you said, from a different country, it might have a slightly different perspective. So we'll see <laughs> see how it goes. Yeah. So first off, I'm always curious to hear the story of how everybody's diagnosed. So how were you diagnosed? Well, I was actually diagnosed at birth. It was a swollen foot that uh, had uh, directed the doctor's attention to it. And I was tested then. And um, uh, so I've known my entire life and my family's known my entire life as well. I feel quite lucky having known so early on because I do hear from some of the other girls who were a bit later in life and um, having not had the information from the outset, it can be a bit frightening, it can be a bit scary, but um, that's why we're here, I guess, to share their experiences and um, help each other out in that way. But um, it wasn't very well known. I'm 35 now, and it wasn't a particularly well-known condition uh, then. It's, from my experience, it's still not particularly well-known. It's hard to find, unless you go searching for it specifically, it's hard to come into um, contact with other girls with Turner Syndrome. So it was um, a, lot of, a lot of learning had to be involved with my parents and, and learning how to cope with it, what to expect from it, what it could mean from the, um, the best scenario to the worst and um, just learn to cope with it really. So as I grew up, I was um, going from stage to stage and just learning as I went along rather than being bombarded with all the information at once and um, right up to puberty and then, of course, into adulthood. So, yep, um, a lifelong known person. <laughs> so when you were diagnosed, were the results classic or mosaic? Mosaic. Okay. Very interesting. That is the, your, your foot being the red flag. That is not one I've heard before, but that makes a lot of sense. Um, I know mm -hmm. my mom talks about fighting like my hands and feet being puffy when I was little. So that's definitely a very mm -hmm. common thing. Um, yeah. So what would you say is the, biggest way having Turner syndrome impacts your life? Um, the biggest drawback or biggest challenge, I suppose, would be the fertility issues that tend to come along with it. 
being mosaic, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have not had too many other underlying symptoms. I know a lot of girls can have issues with their hearts. I do myself have a heart issue, but there could be lots of other underlying things, which um, I'm lucky enough not to um, be held back with. But the infertility issue, I think, is something that affects all of us. And when you when you talk to other girls and when you're on the forums and things like that, it seems to be the biggest um, problem that comes up. It seems to be the, the biggest concern a lot of them have. And uh, last year, I was uh, a friend of mine was doing a sociology study down in England, and she was looking at how it affects um, how it affects the girls and their families, the mothers in, in particular, from a sociological point of view which was quite interesting to learn. And having found out so early, uh, I was, I believe I was about 12 years old when I found out what the Turner syndrome could mean in fertility issues. And obviously I was upset at the time, but because I was so young, you weren't thinking about having a family, you weren't really considering that at all. And so it's, it's something that I've coped with. I happen to have eight nieces and nephews, so they keep me busy anyway. <laughs> But unfortunately, I can see why it would affect a lot of the other girls more and um, why they would yearn for something to be done with it. The lucky thing is, is there's so many more options nowadays. For starters, the, the classic family setup is changing and um, the available options, the treatments and uh, other uh, routes that you can go are opening up as well all the time. So. It's not a be-all, end-all by any stroke of the imagination. But as for, for me and for, I would say, most of the girls, it, that, that seems to be the biggest uh, issue. Yeah, it's a tough one because it's not... I almost feel like those types of struggles, the infertility, the struggling in school, you know, the, the more mental instead of physical struggles. Yeah are almost the hardest because there's not something physically you can see and do something about. It's more yeah. work to navigate. And, mm -hmm. oh man. Um, so as far as options, you are absolutely right. There's, oh my gosh, more options nowadays than I know my mom has said she could have ever dreamed of me having. Um, mm -hmm. I know in the States, the biggest ones are adoption, whether it's through foster care or through an adoption agency. Um, and then there's, for most, IVF with egg donation. Um, for mm -hmm. some, just IVF. Um, what options are there in Scotland? Well, like yourself, uh, adoption is a big option. Um, the fostering system in, in Scotland is is really remarkable from what I've learned. I've not actually went into it myself, um, so I, I wouldn't want to give any particular details, but from what I've researched, it, it is a pretty remarkable system that's set up. And as a youngster, it was always, uh, if when I did think about having a family. I always thought it would be nice to offer a home or a family to a child that really, really needs it. IVF is also the, an option as well. And um, my doctor has also said to me that if I ever wanted to discuss it in more depth, then by all means to let them know. For the moment for myself, that's not really the case, but it's good to know that that's there and it does comfort you to know that that's there should the, the situation arise.
Yeah. So does your doctors that you found, do they have a lot of available resources as far as Turner's goes? There are not many, to be honest. Um, one of my general practitioners that I went to, um, when I told them that I was Turner syndrome and I needed to refer to a clinic because I had I'd just moved practice at the time and I needed to refer to the Lucy clinic, she had to actually look up what uh, Turner syndrome was. She'd never heard of it before. And um, myself, when I, I was at university studying um, medical science and we only did briefly touch on um, Turner syndrome. There wasn't a lot of teaching involved in it and there's not a lot of information out there unless you really look for it. It just gives you, usually you'll find that it just gives you the basics on what it is, what causes it and some of the underlying symptoms. That is why I set up my um, charity group Ragdolls UK because when I was um, a couple of years back I, I was doing another interview and uh, a woman got in touch with me afterwards and she said that she was so glad that she'd heard of someone else that had Turner syndrome and at the time at the interview I was discussing what I did with my life and all those various things and she said it was such a comfort to know that and it made her, her, her young girl who had Turner syndrome happy to know that as well so I thought well I need to get the group together and get information out there as best I can because we're, we're, we're still a small charity at this point but we try and reach as many people as we can as possible just to let them know that there is other people there with it and there are resources available for it you just need to look in the right places. That's amazing so you said it's Ragdoll UK? Ragdolls UK yeah. I will try to link it that is awesome. Um, <laughs> That's really cool. And I found the same thing. It's, there's something very special about being able to have that connection with others. Yeah. Oh man. So have you found that there's a large population in Scotland um, as far as girls who have Turner syndrome? Um, I, I suppose it would depend on what you would consider a large uh, population. As I said, most of the time we get people get in touch and say we, we'd never heard of it and, and looking for more information on it. Not necessarily because they know someone that has it or they've been diagnosed with it, but just because it's a condition that's turned up that they, they're actually interested in hearing more about. So um, spreading the word, obviously, hopefully we'll find um, more girls who can come to us and, and really reach out and be able to support one another because that's really what it's all about, to have each other to rely on. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I, I have found that the more stories I hear, the more I... not feel less scared of Turner's, but I, I just, there's something about understanding it a little better that's so mm -hmm. comforting. Yeah. And um, what was your, I know you mentioned that you kind of took it stage by stage, piece by piece with learning about all the different aspects of it. Um, mm -hmm what would you say 
was the the piece that you learned I know you mentioned infertility being the um one of the bigger struggles but was there a piece mm -hmm. of information a piece of how it worked something like that that impacted you the most um probably the the heart issues um as it says i have discoordination of the heart valves in the left ventricle i believe it is um so when i was younger obviously i didn't fully understand what that meant the impact of that and i had various different uh, hospital appointments you know that yourself you go see this doctor that doctor this doctor <laughs> yeah. so as a youngster all i really knew was that i was going to the doctors a lot and the heart issue was what really that's what, what and it still is what makes my parents the most nervous they're always quite fussy about it. I want to make sure that I keep up with my cardiology appointments, always make sure that I'm trying my best to take care of myself, not eating too much junk food and all that. <laughs> so I would say that if outside the infertility, I'd probably say that the, the heart issues can be quite intimidating. That can be quite a, a big thing to take on as well, especially if it's an ongoing thing that really needs to be kept and uh, kept a check on. Yeah. Because when I was, um, when I was about nine or ten I think it was I had to go into the hospital for a cannula operation where uh, one of the arteries had narrowed so um, that's actually when my gran knitted me a ragdoll to keep me company whilst I was in and which is why the, the group's named Ragdolls UK oh. um, so as I said I remember that and it was quite frightening and that's why it's important that we're there with as much information and support as we can as we can be really yeah um that, that's so cute that's awesome um yeah it's and especially with things constantly changing trying to stay up on the most current can feel a little overwhelming at times yeah well given the current um covid situation that's changing so so frequently we're we're getting a few messages with girls who are, are frightened. It's like, are we, um, you know, particularly susceptible? Are we vulnerable? And all we can keep saying at the moment, because it keeps changing so quickly and everything's moving so fast. So what we say is, Turner syndrome itself doesn't make you more vulnerable, but some of the underlying conditions is, you know, you might want to look at and keep extra special care and, and by all means take advice from, from the doctors and, and whatever they are saying. As I said, because it's not just about obviously keeping physically healthy, but there's a mental health situation involved as well. And, you know, having to stay in and, and, and live in that worry is, is not good for everyone. So it's, it's just as best trying to keep as much normality and get on with it as best we can. Yeah, absolutely. I know I've, I think that's been the hardest part of this whole thing for me has been the whole mental health aspect of being stuck inside and when you when you don't have things you can do to keep yourself busy oh man <laughs> it can get really hard yeah. um what have you found has helped you the most during all of this well, um, I usually work from home anyway, so um, I'm quite lucky that I've not been upset too much in, in that respect. But usually I would go to the gym, I would go and get a coffee out somewhere else, you know, physically meeting up with people. Um, 
I haven't seen my nieces and nephews since way before Christmas, and it's, you know I usually see them quite regularly, so I'm, I'm missing them. But just as try and keep your head in the game and keep getting on with it, I suppose. I go on my daily walk around the park, which hasn't been easy recently because we've just had a really strong bout of ice here in Scotland, so it's like a skating rink as oh. you're going out. <laughs> so. Yeah, walks. I thankfully where we are, we have some good hiking trails that we can use. Um, but oh man, it's <laughs> if we didn't have that, it would be ooh, really hard. Um, and the <laughs> weather, the weather lately has been up and down. Mm. And this happened in the beginning of all of this too. In March, we had like. A ton of rain so not only could we not go into town but we couldn't really go outside either and it's like oh my gosh <laughs> okay. well the, the first lockdown we had here in Scotland was back in March and, and it kind of led on to spring and summer so it wasn't so so bad because you could go and sit out and but Scottish weather you grab that two minutes of the sunshine and that's it for the rest of the year so <laughs> So how have you found um, the healthcare system in Scotland to be as far as addressing those various concerns with Turners? Has it been something that's pretty easy to navigate or um, maybe a little difficult? What has that been like for you? For my individual experience, I have been very, very lucky because um, we have the NHS here and they have taken great care of me from, from birth up till now and even ongoing. They are brilliant, the doctors that I'm, I'm put in contact with, the nurses, staff, everybody has been amazing. Um, one of the doctors I um, attended when I was a youngster, um, Dr Donaldson, he's a specialist in Turner Syndrome and he was magnificent. He was a doctor that sat and explained everything to me and he did it in such a brilliant way that it was easy to um, absorb, it was easy to understand and easy to um, prepare myself for. So I've been very, very lucky that way, very lucky. And my current cardiologist, he's, um, he's brilliant as well. I'll have a phone call with him at some point in uh, this month because um, we're not, we can't go into the clinics, we're not going into the clinics in person unless it's obviously um, some kind of emergency or, or really necessary. So. We'll sit and we'll have our annual chat, as we do, <laughs> catch up. That's great. So it sounds like you have a cardiologist you regularly see. Is there any other specialists besides um, the cardiologist that you see yearly or regularly? Um, usually uh, I would have um, annual visits to the cardiologist and the endocrinologist who um, would deal with the, the Turner syndrome in, in general and anything else that might come up, keep a check on things like the kidneys and, and things like that, and a general health check from, from myself. Otherwise it would be the, the, the general practitioner then that I would go to, any other things that turn up. So what was your experience like with um, when you were growing up? Did you have to um, take hormone replacement therapy or anything? 
I did. Um, I took growth hormone injections um, from the age of about two, I believe, up until I was um, a preteen, I think it was. Then I was um, put on to um, the hormone replacement therapy and I've been on that ever since. Um, the growth hormone injections worked wonders for me, I suppose, because I'm uh, five foot one, which isn't as tall as any of my brothers, obviously, <laughs> they're all big six footers, but for me, it's, you know, a decent height. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. <laughs> I remember when I was little, my goal was always just at least five foot. Yeah. <laughs> and I got just under it. Um, <laughs> so have you found, um, have you found it, um, do I want to word this? I have had to try a lot of different HRT to find what works for me. Um, mm -hmm. Have you found in your experience you've been on the same one or have you tried different ones too? Uh, I've been on the same one and uh, luckily it's, it's not had any adverse effects or anything like that. So I've been on it for quite a while. So I think I've been on it since I first started puberty. I started with the ethyl estradiol, the estrogen replacement, and then they added the progesterone uh, later on. And uh, it's been me ever since. It's just been a regular thing. So, yeah, that's good. Um, I was trying to think of if there was any specific questions that I'm forgetting. <laughs> I always try to make sure I have a certain set of questions. Um, <laughs> I guess the biggest thing I always like to hear everybody's story on is what ways they felt like Turner syndrome has changed them, has like the lessons that you've learned through having Turner syndrome. Um, what would you say has been the biggest thing having Turner syndrome has taught you? Well, um, it's taught me that I'm a lot stronger than I realise because um, I have met some of the girls and um, from early age they've been told, you won't be able to do this, you can't do that, this will be affected, that will be affected, so on and so forth. And it's obviously you need to learn these things, that goes without saying, but it's just the way that it can be bombarded, can be unfortunate. So I've been lucky in the respect that I was like, okay, maybe I can't do this, but I'll do that. I can't do this, but I'll do that. The saying about the, the, the challenges in school, I always, always uh, struggled a bit with maths, which is a, a common thing among us, I think. Common thing amongst most people, to be honest. But I had a, a lovely teacher who would um, sit patiently with some extra time and help me make sure that I kept up to date with everything. So as I said, I guess it, it made me want to challenge myself more and, and learn more about myself and what I'm capable of. And not just that, it's obviously helping other people realise that it's it's not a be-all, end-all. It's, it's unfortunate part of you, but, you know, it, it can drive you on. It can be used as a force to make you a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's what I always try to remind myself when I'm feeling like the weight of all of the things that it means look different or hard for me is kind of mm -hmm. like, well, but you've, you've beaten worse 
stuff in the past. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I'm also curious, you said you have, I can't remember how you described it. Um, you had a heart condition that was something to do with the left ventricle. Yeah. What age did you find that out? And what, um, what was the red flag for that? Um, to be honest, I would have been too young to actually remember what the red, red flag would have been. But there's a slight murmur to my heartbeat. You know, so it's a slight ba-bum, bum 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 There's a discoordination of the beat. So that would, I'd imagine that would have been picked up quite early on as well as the, the doctors listened to it. Because um, it could be heard quite clearly um, with the doctors. So they're always, it's, it's easy enough to pick up. So as I said, I would imagine that would have been quite early on when first the initial checks were done. Luckily, it's not affected me too much, apart from the, the, the narrowing of the artery, which was taken care of. And um, that keeps get, that's kept a check on quite regularly in case it happens again. But for luckily, I've, I've not had any other issues with it. So it's just one of those things. <laughs> so just something that they keep an eye on now. Yeah, yeah. That's good. So you had surgery for coarctation then? Yeah, yeah. What age was that at? Do you remember that? Uh, I think it was about nine or ten, I believe I was. I was, I was still quite young, um, so I think it was done about then. What was the recovery like at that age from that? Um. <laughs> well, actually, um, I had a great surgeon, and the next day I was, I was lying in the hospital bed, and, and I said to him, I, said, I need to go to the bathroom. He's like, well, you're not an invalid, get up. <laughs> <laughs> so the recovery was quite easy. That's <laughs> I didn't great. hold me back for very long. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I think with that being the most intimidating thing, I, I always think about how that could feel at different ages too. Mm -hmm. You know, all the different parts of Turner's, I feel like can be such different experiences depending on what age you are when you Mm -hmm. go through it. So, um, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yeah, it's been so great getting to talk to you and getting to hear your story. Is there anything else that you wanted to add, I will make sure to link Ragdolls UK. Mm-hmm. Well, just a note to say that all the Turner's girls that I've met, every single one of them, were all tough cookies. And it's all about supporting each other and um, getting on with it. So keep up it. <laughs> Thank you so much for chatting with me. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Yep, you too. I'll see Thanks. you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Coffee and Turner Syndrome. If you would like to support the podcast, I do have listener support set up on Anchor. And if you'd like to leave me a voice message, I would love to hear from you. Don't forget, you can find the video version of this podcast on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash brooktv. Make sure you're subscribed so you see when the next one comes out. And I will see you guys in the next episode.